Hello, and welcome back to UK Column Interviews. Now today, I have, well, actually, I've been having a lot of chats with our good friend, Ben Rubin, on the phone. And we brainstorm, and we put the worlds to rights, and we we deep dive, basically, on the phone. And we thought, this is crazy. We need to talk about this and let our audience in on our conversations. So this isn't really going to be an interview. It's going to be one of Ben and I's chats about the future of Britain. So in our last chat, we talked about Tony Blair's vision of future Britain, the extraordinary conference that both Ben and I witnessed. We watched it, um, hours of it. But since then, Ben has been deep diving, really deep diving into behind the scenes because the stage is set. Tony Blair is on the stage, but what's in the wings? What's behind the scenes? And Ben has discovered some incredible findings. And we've already introduced our audience to an organization called Anthropy. And we'll be talking more about Anthropy, hidden in plain sight. But really, are we witnessing a network of almost a World Economic Forum rebrand in the UK? Are we witnessing the Eden Project, very close to where I live, as being the UK Davos. And I know Brian Gerrish, my colleague, has a lot to say with regards to similarities with common purpose. So without further ado, I want to welcome back our friend and expert, Ben Rubin. Ben, welcome. Please give us a little short introduction to yourself and then tell me, do we have a UK WEF within our midst? Thanks, Debbie. It's always a pleasure to be here at UK Column. Um, and uh, to give a little bit of background, I, I, I spent 17, 18 years in, in business, in the consulting industry, working with leaders of companies and also some government departments as well, helping them to digitize primarily and to deploy new technologies and transform themselves in order to do that. Uh, about three years ago, I realized that the natural end point for a lot of the stuff that we'd been building was not good for humanity and that actually the sum total of uh, all of the technologies that we'd been building, although we had good intentions and there are some positives and some good things that can be technologies, actually the people um, specifying the, the system um, did not have humanity's best interests in mind at a fundamental level. And actually where all this stuff goes to is, is, is something a bit like a, a global slave system that they've specified in a building and are desperately trying to, 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 to complete and fully implement right now. And um, one of the, the most um, well-known uh, explanations of this is the the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. Well, the Great Reset was written by Klaus Schwab, who was the founder of the World Economic Forum, uh, whose tentacles extend across the whole of the British state and every other international government and all the global corporations and the big consulting firms and the financial system and pharmaceutical industry and anywhere else that you can. 
And um, the World Economic Forum meet in Davos in January every year. Um, but they do have informally, but I think it is um, difficult to question that this is the case. They do have um, national uh, events, national groups who represent their interests. And I think that, that that's exactly what Anthropy is. And we're going to talk a bit about Anthropy today, which is this event that's coming up in uh, the start of November at the Eden Project, which um, Debbie's already mentioned this week on uh, UK Column News. And we can talk a little bit about what they're doing there and who's attending. Um, I'm also going to mention another event which is coming up called COGX, which is related to what's happening at Anthropy, but is more representative of what I call the, the which is this in, insane rush to artificial intelligence, everything, basically. And that seems to be what we're, what, what they're pushing towards. Um, but there's quite a bit of crossover in terms of the attendees and the agenda is, is, is absolutely the same. And then we're going to get into, assuming we have time, because there's a lot here, uh, and we're really just going to skim across the surface. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more about um, Tony Blair and his relationship into all of this, and particularly as that relates to um, Tony Blair's friend and collaborator, Metty Coban, his organisation, My Life, My Say, and how that links into the advanced tech ecosystem here in the UK. And there, there, is, there is an ecosystem here. Uh, they, 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 this is a, a conspiracy in, in, in plain view, for my money. Uh, there's, there's no other way to describe it. So should we start with anthropy, Debbie? Is that a good place to go? Let's start with Anthropy, Ben, because when you sent me the link to Anthropy and I clicked into it and I saw that it was at the Eden Project, which is literally two minutes up the road from me, um, I was pretty shocked because people don't expect Cornwall, right in the southwest tip of England, to be hosting so many events. And yet the Eden Project was also used for G7 in 2021, when Boris Johnson, all the political global leaders and the royal family all converged at Eden. And there's some pretty interesting symbology at Eden too. And I don't know if we're going to get time to, to, to go into that. But, you know, Anthropy is an organisation that says you've never been to a gathering like this before. Leave your egos at the door. And with it being at Eden, I thought I would try to register. <laughs> they want to know pretty much everything about you and a little bit more besides. And I'm, I don't, I'm not sure that they would have accepted me. However, in their charter and in their agenda, because they've got a huge website, one of their agendas is the future of Britain, which looks remarkably like the Tony Blair conference, the future of Britain that we attended. Now, their sponsorship, I mean, you go into it and you look at KPMG, obviously the Eden Project, Omnicom, which Brian Gerrish, my colleague, has a lot to say about, um, Seven Trent Water, Coots, big names, big sponsors. Ben, let's just talk about a few of the speakers, a few of the names that we highlighted on UK Column that you noted particularly that were say, names of concern or names of interest, shall we say? Absolutely. Um, 
so I mean, they're 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 all actually interesting. Uh, it's the thing with these these events. I've just been looking through the the the, the speaker list uh, this morning, and you can go down uh, a very deep rabbit hole on pretty much every individual on the page. The ones that really jump out at me, and the, and the reason why I think anthropy exists, by the way, I believe that anthropy is where globalism really meets the British establishment. And uh, I believe it's the second year. It's not been going on for that long. And I remember following it last year because actually some people that I know were attending it. And uh, EY, my former employer, uh, one of the sponsors, and there's a lady called Alison Kay, who is one of the senior partners at EY in the UK, who was attending and speaking at the conference. I know a few other people who were there last year as well. Um, And last year, as I recall it, it was much more explicit that this was a Davos-style event for the UK. And I think they actually described it as such. This year, they're not doing that, I think, for, for obvious reasons, which is to say that they've been rumbled and they can't be quite so blatant now. Um, but uh, the, the, the attendees are uh, from across industry, and particularly these non-governmental organizations that sit between everything and are like the connective tissue between the different parts of the establishment. And um, two people of particular note that jumped out at me. The first one is this lady, Dame Julia Cleverdon, who I'd never heard of before. And um, she is the former chief executive of business in the community Business in the community is does what it says on the tin. It's a way for large, generally listed companies to in, invest in and back community initiatives. Um, and she was the CEO. She's now vice patron. Uh, she's also formerly the chair and now vice patron of Teach First, which is about bringing high-performing graduates into teaching for, I think they do three years and then they go off into industry. It's a way of um, uh, uh, getting um, kind of top grads into the teaching, uh, in, in, into education, um, and uh, before they go off and do other things. Um, and she was also formerly chair and is now vice patron of the National Literacy Trust. Now, as I understand it, the, the, these are um, the, 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 the patron for each of those organizations is actually the crown. These are, these are royal, uh, royal charities. So as vice patron to each of those organizations, Dame Julia Cleverdon is essentially acting on behalf of the king. That's, that's my reading of it. So when I say this is where globalism meets the British establishment, I think that she's an exceptional example of that. Yeah, she's basically acting for the royal family. They aren't in attendance, but people like Julia Cleverdon are in attendance. Interesting. Um, the second one that I think is particularly worth talking about is Andy Haldane, who is currently the Chief Executive of the Royal Society for the Encouragement of Arts, Manufacturers and Commerce, aka the RSA. Uh, he's been there for about three years, I believe, three or four years. Um, and before that, he was Chief Economist to the, to the Bank of England. Um, and the RSA is basically it's like a honey trap for smart, bright young things coming to London. They want to get connected to the latest thinking. 
people who've got good networks um, kind of get on the inside of the machine. They head to the RSA and they have outposts around the country and they have connections into the top levels of, well, everywhere, actually. And the key thing to note about the RSA is the first letter in the RSA, the R, which means royal. So again, Andy Haldane there essentially representing the interests of the British royal family. And let's remind ourselves that um, Charles uh, was actually the, I hesitate to call him the king. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a Republican, just, just for the record. Um, uh, but, but anyway, uh, Charles is, uh, was one of the lead out people for the announcement of the, of, of the Great Reset. He, he jointly announced the plan alongside Klaus Schwab in November 2020. So um, this is all completely aligned to that agenda. And for my money, these are the people helping to, to implement um, that plan across, across, across the country. A um, few other people in there. So Jay, Dame, another Dame. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a vaunted collection of people here. Dame Julia Slingo, OBE, who is an advisor to the UN. She's a meteorologist and climate scientist. So when the UN says that it owns the science around climate, which it has been saying, and it's been working with people like Google to censor what it describes as uh, climate misinformation, just like they were silencing vaccine dis disinformation during the pandemic, these are the types of people that they send to do that. Uh, again, deeply embedded into to the British establishment. Um, another person of interest, this one was quite entertaining because I went to school with his sons, is uh, Lord Deben, a.k.a. Lord Gummer, who's currently the chairman of the, Chim uh, the Climate Change Committee, former um, uh, Tory grandee. And I suppose he still is a Tory grandee, actually, isn't he? Much less active in frontline politics, but certainly doing big and important things behind the scenes, given climate change is one of the top two or three issues that we're being talked to about on a consistent basis. Um, so his presence is certainly of interest as well. And then you get into the big consulting firms. Yeah. Um, so these sort of British state representatives are, are, are one thing. Um, but the big consulting firms, uh, as I've talked about quite a lot on, on my own blog, uh, riseuk.substack.com uh, are all strategic partners of the World Economic Forum. And we have Alison Kay, who's one of the senior partners, not exactly sure um, if she, she runs a part of the UK or exactly what her role is at the minute, but she's one of the top people at EY in the UK. She's attending uh, and she'll no doubt be talking about how they can implement the globalist agenda more rapidly and emphatically because that's what all of these people are pushing towards. And she personally, uh, as a partner in EY, has been funding and shaping the World Economic Forum agenda for a number of years now, um, as has been a meta, who's the UK chair of KPMG, same gig, basically. Uh, they are a strategic partner of the World Economic Forum. Um, and between these big consulting firms, they basically advise all the FTSE 100, FTSE 250 companies, uh, large swathes of, of, of um, private enterprise as well. Uh, EY in particular has got really, really deep roots into the, the, the UK civil service. 
um, and um, in many ways is 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 kind of indistinguishable and interchangeable with it. Uh, you know, that's that's the level that we that, that, that we're talking about. And there's a revolving door of, of people going back and forth between EY and um, central government and back again. And 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 the same is true for all of these these big consulting firms. Right? This is this is really the swamp that we're looking at here. Uh, and it touches into academia. Uh, so there's a, a fellow called Lord Hastings, who's the chair of SOAS, the School of Oriental and African Studies. I think that's correct. Um, which is a real hotbed for um, all of these neo-Marxist theories that are being used to try and shape and, and reshape uh, uh, Western culture at the moment. So I think his his attendance to this is is, is really quite intriguing. Um, and then there's another gentleman called G Dr. Jeremy Silver, who's part of an organisation called Digital Catapult. And this is where we start to venture into away from the kind of more traditional industry and more more traditional institutional types that we've just been talking about, and you begin to get into what I call the digital industrial complex and, and how these new technologies are being promoted across all industries, all parts of society, and organisations like Digital Catapult, um, who I've worked with previously, they're based up on Euston Road. Uh, it's 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 um, uh, a, a kind of government-backed innovation accelerator, and they work with cohorts of different organisations, different groups um, uh, from industry. You know, so they'll have banks in there, they'll have um, industrials businesses in there, they'll have um, a whole bunch of different types of, of private sector organisations come through. Um, to collaborate with Digital Catapult around a specific new technology that they're trying to get out into into the market, and um, you know, obviously, all of that is positioned around UK PLC competitiveness and economic growth and equity and inclusion and all these great buzzwords. But I think that having looked at how this stuff is developing, the whole um, the 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 the, um, the motivation for it is is, is certainly not that that pure. And I think, Ben, too, it's um, clearly what you're showing is a broad range of areas that representatives are coming from. So it's almost like anthropy. And I know we're just discussing anthropy at the moment, but anthropy has pretty much all bases covered because um, we've also got media represented uh, with uh, the CEO of Channel 4, Alex Mahon. And um, we've also got Kamal Ahmed, journalist, who... Um, is the co-founder of the news movement. So we've got media and we've also got the arts, as you said, you know, the RSA. But we've also got Dame Darcy Bustle appearing and we've got trusted messengers that many people will know Jay Blades from the repair shop um, and, and, and people will see familiar faces. Um, I also was quite struck with the fact that Tony Juniper, CBE, was one of the speakers there. And He's the chair of Natural England, and many of our audience might remember that we've talked about Natural England, uh, especially down here in the southwest, where Natural England seemed to be asset seizing from farmers um, for rewilding purposes. So, you know, we have a whole broad array of speakers in Cornwall, and you brought up, uh, and I struggle to, I'm a Republican for the record, um, but I struggle to call Charles King. However, this is the duchy 
of Cornwall. There are only two duchies in the UK, the Duchy of Lancaster, who uh, manages the King's purse and engagements, and the Duchy of Cornwall, which manage the Prince and Princess of Wales's uh, public um, appearances and public purse. So we're talking about a royal duchy with the Eden project, quite appropriately. Um, well, I think the symbology goes without saying. And we're talking about a Cornwall, which is a very poor area. Homelessness, homelessness is record high. Um, and although people think that it's a holiday area and it's it's very affluent, it really isn't. So anthropy, when you look at the F and Q, FAQ, is clearly not targeted for Cornish people to attend. This this event is clearly targeting international global leaders. And the whole agenda, as you've rightly said, with this revolving door from going from one organisation to another, and they just seem to be rebranded with new woke names, perhaps. But this organisation really is targeting youngsters, isn't it? It's young leaders from all ethnic groups, from all diverse um, environments, and they're definitely not targeting the Cornish, are they? They're not asking us to go to the conference and listen. This is a far, far bigger agenda. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, this is not being run for the benefit of the public. I think that's fair to say. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's very expensive to attend for a start. So I think that the tickets are around £1,000. Um, so, you know, deeply prohibitive to the vast majority of the population. And it's being run for, um, it's being run for, for global corp, basically, um, and people who are, who are going to enable that. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a whole section in here about our healthy futures and how we've got to improve our health and who's sponsoring it. Oh, well, it's Novartis one of the world's biggest pharmaceutical companies. It's Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, which is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. These are the same names that we've seen cropping up again and again over the past few years. And here they are again at Anthropy talking about the future of Britain. I mean, like you've said, Ben, there's an awful lot to talk about and we're just skimming over the surface and we're hoping that we're giving some signposts to our audience to go and look for themselves in depth. And perhaps if maybe one of you listening out there fancies attending, uh, fancies writing your biography and submitting your data and having to tick boxes to say that you've consent and read the privacy terms, then um, it would be great to hear from you. But Ben, let's just go from Anthropy onto your next discovery, um, which is COGEX. Can you tell us a bit about COGEX? Yeah, sure. So um, similar, similar um, model. Um, but a bit more industry focused uh, and with a bit of a wider audience. So COGX is coming up in, in September and I am actually going to attend this. Um, they offered me a free networking ticket. So I'm going to go and stick my head into the Excel center and see what's going on up there. Although it, it is fairly clear what, what, what they're all about. And um, like I said, this, this is what I call the, the, um, the digital industrial complex. And I spoke about digital catapult a moment ago. Well, they're they're also represented at COGX, and, and um, there's lots of these types of organisations around. Like uh, also, Nesta is another one, N E S T A, 
um, who kind of play this role of um, essentially operating like think tanks and innovation accelerators, helping to promote these new technologies and get them out into society. Um, and again, all presented in this kind of, sort of benevolent way. Um, and COGEX uh, last year, I'm not sure exactly how long it's been running for, um, but last year, interestingly, there was one session that they ran, which I did a little live stream on a, a couple of months ago, um, uh, which was called the New World Health Order. Uh, make of that what you will. And, and on the stage, they had uh, Chris Wigley, who's the CEO of Genomics England, I've talked about quite extensively and I, for me genomics is eugenics right? it's basically precision engineering of the human genome based on you know whatever it is that these people want humanity to be um it's really quite terrifying when you dig into it so he was speaking uh they had a guy from microsoft speaking some people from the nhs and other places in the health system and essentially the vision that they sketched out for healthcare was digitized artificially intelligence driven um completely universal integrated data platforms and one of the things that really jumped out at me from from that session that they ran last year was this idea that if the 20th century was the century of the clinician then the 21st century was going to be the century of the system and that means the technology that means the algorithms right so that's what they're promoting. Um, and it's exactly the same this year. It's basically uh, this mindset that the answer is AI. I don't care what the question is. We're going to push this into every part of society, whether it's a good idea or not. Um, lots of people from all of the classic categories that you would expect. So lots of talk about things like fake meat. Lots of talk about um, what is um, essentially amounts to censorship. A uh, lot of discussion about uh, the climate crisis and how all this technology is going to somehow algorithmically solve it for us. Um, and leading out the conversation for the entire event is Yuval Noah Harari. So the big show-stopping uh, headline speaker for COGX in 2023, in spite of everything that we know about the World Economic Forum at this point, is still putting forward Yuval Noah Harari, the historian and philosopher, who is basically the, the, the big strategic thinker uh, behind all of these World Economic Forum policies, the man who's basically loving this idea that humans are now hackable animals that can be known and understood and quantified and controlled. Um, and has basically been laying the groundwork for, for everything that the World Economic Forum has been promoting, laying the groundwork for everything that they're going to be talking about, anthropy, uh, which we just talked about a moment ago. And basically that, that to me, just alone, his, his presence at the top of the page sets the tone for the rest of the conference and how to understand everything that, 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 that goes beyond it, right? So, you know, all of the other attendees from that point onwards, all the other... Um, speakers, sorry, should I say, from that point onwards, I, I have to look at um, in, in a particular light. And when you see that they have Alex Younger, who's former head of MI6, uh, I think that puts a very particular spin on it as well. Um, you have a guy called Dan Van Wiel, who is Assistant Secretary General at NATO. So these are heavy military industrial complex type people. 
You have Elan Gur, who is the CEO of Aria. And we could have another really long conversation about Aria, which was launched last year to be the DARPA of the United Kingdom. And Elan Gur is basically responsible for dishing out £800 million worth of taxpayer money to companies that he thinks are going to be extraordinarily disruptive to human existence, right? And all of that is positioned in this science and technology um, paradigm. Everything's about science and technology and artificial intelligence, right? There's no reference at any point really to humanity or art or or any of the, you know, the, 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 those things. It's all very one-dimensional, um, the way that these people talk and the things that they invest in. Um, huge representation from, from Meta. So there's a guy called Dex Hunter-Torrick who is uh, uh, an advisor to the Meta Oversight Board. If you remember a few years ago, I think it was in the wake of the 2016 election, there was an oversight board introduced at Meta and people like Alan Rusbridger from The Guardian um, were were put in position as the kind of adults in the room to make sure that Facebook, now called Meta, were behaving properly and they weren't allowing naughty people to say awful things on their platform. Um, you know, again, just a, just a, a, essentially a, a globalist right think censorship operation funded by one of the world's biggest technology companies. Obviously, we need to put them on stage. Um, there is the technology editor from Wired magazine, a guy called Amit Katwala. Wired is a really interesting one. Um, they're owned by Condé Nast, and I've actually worked right up to the the global board level, Condé Nast, their former global chief executive, um, before I realised what, what what on earth was going on. It's just been like that. Um, and Condé Nast are uh, 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 another um, World Economic Forum partner. So Wired Magazine is there representing WEF interests, essentially. Um, and Condé Nast, as an aside, also owned Vogue, GQ, a whole bunch of other big mainstream media titles. Um, so I think that that puts, puts them into question as well, although they aren't attending COGX. Yeah, this is Wired magazine, which is basically a cheerleader for big tech. You know, they are, uh, it's a consumer technology magazine. Uh, it's a bit, you know, like I think there was one called Stuff Mag as well a couple of years ago. It's basically new widgets and gadgets that people can buy um, and a ba- that basically amounts to stimulating the consumer demand and the market for um, for all of these uh, what would actually turn out to be um, quite nefarious control systems. You know, when 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 you understand them in in their totality. Um, who else is in here? Uh, IBM, uh, Jenny Taylor, MBE. Uh, from IBM. IBM, who issued, Debbie, you shared this with me, this remarkable report, basically talking about the the absolute desperate need to retrain, what was it, 40% of the workforce globally into becoming AI workers. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was um, retraining 40% uh, in new skills to cope with AI. I mean, and, and I believe that IBM are in, um, I shouldn't say cahoots, they're in collaboration with Microsoft to do this as well, I believe. And I found it quite shocking. And from what I'm hearing from you, 
today, it almost seems, I mean, we are an island nation, right? And it seems that we've become encircled by different organizations. So it's almost like, and I know that we've discussed this on the phone, that lots of people know a little of the information, but nobody knows it all. So things are being held in in different places. And you said so much there, it's it's like crazy to unpack it all because you mentioned so many huge names, Harara, um, Nesta, um, Aria. Um, and I think it's important that we just highlight the Aria, the Advanced um, Research Invention Agency, which was only, um, well, it was only born very recently. And this was a Dominic Cummings brainchild. You know, he was the one that put an advert in the paper, I think, to advertise for weirdos and eccentrics to bring their ideas. Um, and then this would be his very own version, as you've said, of DARPA in the USA. Although I see ARIA as more of a, a kind of replica, if you like, to BARDA also in the um, USA, very much looking at uh, innovative ways, new new technology, startup funds. They have a huge budget and they don't seem to mind, ARIA don't seem to mind wasting their budget if it's a project that fails, if it's an early project that at the last stage it fails. Well, that's all part of the game. It's the British taxpayer that's lost their money. So, you know, that, and then you've mentioned genomics, um, as well, Genomics England. So there's just so much to unpack. But I do remember that when we were talking about COGEX, you did mention something that I found very dark, and I know you did too. And forgive me if I'm incorrect here, but did I hear you mention an organisation called Hugging Face? How does Hugging Face relate to COGEX? Remarkably sinister name, isn't it? I, I, um, but, but obviously, a hugging face is, a, is an emoji, and it's like a nice, friendly emoji, and that's the name of this thing. Um, very, very, uh, very, very digital. Um, but uh, the hugging face is represented by this guy called Thomas Wolfe, and he's actually number two on the speaker list behind Yuval Noah Harari. So he's, he's clearly, um, clearly quite a, an important high-level person in all of this. Basically, there's this ecosystem that exists around artificial intelligence. Um, and it's existed around all of the different technologies as they've emerged. Essentially, you have these organizations that are there to um, lightly challenge the narrative and to, and to lightly challenge the, the the corporations and to raise the concerns and to basically present a public message that these people are actually being tracked and monitored and and um, uh, and, and and held to account in some way. And Hugging Face is is an organisation that feels a bit like that. There's there's, there's a bundle of others. Um, I don't want to chuck a load of new names into the mix now because, as you said, we've already introduced a load of people and a load of organisations. Um, but Hugging Face strike me as, as, as being one of those. They're, they're, they talk a really good game about ethics, but actually they appear to be... Um, uh, it, 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 it's like a, a smokescreen. 
um, for allowing these organizations behind the scenes to go ahead and do what they wanted to do to do anyway. Um, because this is this is a grim march, right? That the, 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 they are uh, that the, the, all these people are participating in. There's, there's a grim inevitability to all of this. Yeah, you know the technology is being built. They're building more and faster. If you remember from the Tony Blair conference, Debbie, that was the that was that was the the, the message from them. Um, and it's all about globalization, digitization, consolidation of industry. Yeah, and and total transformation of industry using these same technologies, and um, people like Hugging Face are just there to to help help usher that process along. Um, and I'm going to going to write about them and a bunch of other people that I've come across over the, over the coming weeks because you know they 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 are um, they they are uh, they they're they're a really important part of this actually. Before we go on and explore a bit more, when you've said that you're going to write and you do do write and you do put out an incredibly valuable um, resource, can you just, before we forget, tell people where they can find you? I mean, we will have the links in the article beneath this interview, but where can people find you and your your writings? You can find me in two places at the moment. The, 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 uh, the one where I'm going to be writing about uh, the awful nefarious things that are happening in the world that we've kind of been touching on here is is riseuk.substack.com. Um, and I've been going through the whole system, basically. So a lot of uh, what's happening in healthcare, what's happening in the consulting industry, what's happening in the advertising industry I've been getting onto this week uh essentially um calling out the corruption that that is completely systemic um but that can get a little bit depressing so i've also started a new project which we did talk about last time which is called pattern and you can find that at pattern 18 pattern 18 at substack.com and that's where we are running a grassroots citizen-led experiment to design and build the future of Britain away from all of these nefarious vultures and their digital platforms and their artificial intelligence. And we're going to do that in a way that's going to work for the for the whole of the uh, the whole of the, the whole of the population, not just the people with the AI, which is um what we're looking at here. I've definitely got some questions to ask you about AI, but from what I can see and from what I can hear from you, and if we take it back to the Tony Blair conference, and I so remember the Build Back Better being suddenly magically changed into Build More Faster. I remember those words. But, you know, I'm looking at the Tony Blair Future of Britain conference, which was clearly targeted towards the youngsters. And Anthropy, COGX, we're looking at high new technology, technology that my generation, quite frankly, most of us, it's it's beyond us. So it's it's a young, it's a young agenda. And and I know that you're very keen to talk about Metty Coburn because, you know, we take that back to the the future of Britain, Tony Blair. There's also a future of Britain next generation. Um, and Metty Coburn is absolutely instrumental as almost Tony Blair's right-hand man. What can, because again, you've said the revolving door, and this is all the revolving door from one organisation to another. They're all interlinked. Tell us about Metty Coburn. 
it is really fascinating actually how all this stuff stitch, stitches together. Um, let me just end on, on one more person who's who's going to be going to the the Cogex um, event and speaking at the Cogex event because I think that segues quite neatly into Meti Koban actually. So one of the other people and fascinatingly really when you consider what Cogex is and who it represents the interests of, right, which is global corporate. Um, there's a fella called Aaron Bastani, who is a British Iranian fella, who is the chief executive of something called Navara Media, which is what described by them as a communist organization. So they are promoting hard left-wing political ideologies, and they are very much targeted at the younger generation. So really anyone below about the age of 35, 40 years old, that's who Navarra Media are talking to. And I'll be honest with you, they're doing a pretty good job of it. I don't agree with anything that they have to say um, that I've seen thus far, um, but they're doing a really good job on YouTube and a really good job on Instagram of building this left-wing narrative that is completely aligned with um, uh, what the globalists want to happen. You know, this centralization of power uh, and this increased and in continuously increasing role of, of the state in, in, in absolutely every aspect of life. And so he's been promoting that. And by the way, if that sounds confusing to you, like the, how can the communists be aligning themselves with the global corporations, then I'd suggest going to find, and, I, and I'll put this somewhere, and maybe we could put some links to this, Debbie. There's a, a, a fantastic speech by a guy called James Lindsay, who runs an organization called New Discourses, where he speaks for about half an hour to the European Parliament um, earlier on this year, basically describing how um, neo-Marxist doctrine has been adapted for the West. And as part of that process, they have essentially given themselves permission to go and talk to the corporations because actually this is the way for them to deliver their communist vision for reality. And effectively, they've they've um, uh, uh, they, they've they've constructed a scenario where it's okay for them to go and work with the corporations because they have the best. Uh, the, uh, uh, the the best interest of, of humanity at heart because they're the nice, you know, the nice, well-intentioned ones, even though they're promoting these hard left-wing ideologies that um, are just as bad as the hard right-wing ideologies. They essentially end up at the same place. It's all just tyrannical authoritarianism, um, which I think might neatly lead me into Meti Koban, um, who is, uh, as we spoke about last time, uh, a Labour politician. He's on Hackney Council. Uh, he's particularly involved in all of this climate change stuff and promoting the ULES agenda. Um, as well as that, he runs an organisation called My Life, My Say. And that's been running for a good few years now. And it's part of the reason that he was given an MBE. So this guy is very much British establishment, just like all the other people that we were talking about earlier. Um, and if you go to the My Life, My Say website, and this is all about getting the younger generation into politics, yeah, to, to um, which, you know, on the surface of it is, is a good thing. 
But then you look at how they've been operating and all the language around it, and you realise that it's, it's actually not about getting them into politics. It's about getting them into uh, politics in a very with with a, with a very specific intent, which is to um, to drag the country into uh, these hard left wing ideologies and and to promote those as, as the only route forward um um for for, for the country and, and to, to have that younger generation um completely indoctrinated in this stuff and um blair is absolutely front and center in the frame of of, of how this thing has been run so if you go to the website um there are a bunch of videos that run um as soon as you get onto the to, to the to the home page which is metty coban and tony blair on stage not at a Tony Blair event this time, but at a, a My Life, My Say event. So the roles have switched a little bit, but Blair is absolutely there. He's the power behind the throne. He's guiding the conversation. There's, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not hiding it. They're not making any bones about the fact that you have a, 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 a partisan political leader, former prime minister of this country, war criminal, all the other things that he's done that I won't list off now. Um uh, uh, helping shape um, the, the the narrative and the direction of, of of this organization, and who else is helping shape the narrative and direction of the organization? Well, if you look at the partners list, yeah, so these are the partners that Metty Coban has selected to work with his organization. Well, you have the United States Embassy in London. Well, that's just remarkable. Why is the U.S. Why are you working with the U.S. Embassy? Um, very odd. The mayor. Of London, uh, I suppose we should expect that from Sadiq Khan. Uh, something called the Berg Ruin Institute, which is an LA-based think tank. So there's a lot of billionaire philanthropist, uh, international money floating around this 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 organisation. Um, and then another fascinating one, which was this organisation called Plexel. Now, Plexel is an innovation lab, and it's located somewhere called Here East, which is part of the legacy of the London 2012 Olympic Games. It's actually on the old Olympic site in East London, right over the, the other side of the canal from Hackney Wick. Um, and Plexel's been there uh, uh, for about a decade, and they're another one of these organizations, a bit like Digital Catapult, right, that is a interaction point between international corporations and central government with emergent technologies and the startup community. And I don't understand why Plexel would be partnering with an organization that is designed to get young people involved in politics. I just don't see any crossover there at all, apart from the fact that the chairman of My Life, My Say, which is Metty Coban's organization, Metty Coban is the chief executive, the founder, the chairman of that organization is a guy called Andrew Ruffin, who is also the chairman of Plexel. So this fellow Ruffin is, I think, extraordinarily important and interesting in, in this mix because he sits across this um, 
drive to indoctrinate young people into hard left-wing political ideologies and a very specific and particular worldview being driven by the likes of Tony Blair and Sadiq Khan and uh, and all these other people, um, as well as overseeing a huge amount of private sector innovation activity going on in Plexal, but probably more importantly, given what we've been talking about, a whole load of pro- public-private partnership activity that's also going on there as well. So they'll work with central government departments on things like cybersecurity, artificial intelligence. All of the technologies that we've been talking about are being developed and deployed in Plexal for central government. And interestingly, they're also, because this was on his LinkedIn profile, he's been talking about this publicly, they're working currently with Barclays, Barclays Bank, whose uh, CEO recently resigned, as members will probably remember, because um, of his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. But that's another very long conversation that Debbie and I are not going to have right now. Just thought I'd throw it in there. Um, uh, And Barclays picked up a contract to run a UK government innovation scheme in a very odd kind of stitch up at the end of last year. It had been run by an organisation called Tech Nation. For a long time um and somehow barclays won this contract even though it's a it's a bank and potentially therefore a competitor to a lot of the companies that were going to be um, participating in the program and they're now dishing out government money into the economic system as well and they're doing it in partnership with with plexal so there's this there's this really sinister deeply questionable little cabal here, I think, that uh, have got their fingers into a whole load of government money, a whole load of deep technology, uh, a whole load of what the corporations are up to, and are really actively trying to manipulate the, um, the social structure and the political situation in order to enable the things that they're doing. And and, and I think that, that it, this has to be examined much more closely and, and, and called out. So I think it's, it's deeply, deeply concerning to me uh, what Blair, what Ruffin, what Coban, uh, what all these other, other people are up to. Well, I'm, for one, very grateful to you for... Um, doing all of this research because we rely on people like you and our audience to do the research to join the dots to see where the connections are and clearly we're looking at organizations of circles within circles but it's right on our doorsteps you know it's right literally on my doorstep um and I think people need to be aware that this is going on probably in their neighbourhood. There's somebody, there's somebody somewhere that's attending one of these organisations representing their, their views, but you haven't been consulted. Ben, is there, before I, because there's a couple of generalised questions that I'd like to ask you with regards to AI um, on a more positive note. Is there anybody else that you want to specifically mention 
that you've noted during your research before I move on to that? Or do you think probably we've got quite enough names to be going on with and uh, a lot of research, a lot of dots to join? No, I don't think I have any uh, any more individuals. I mean, the, the 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 main ones, like if I might just reiterate, actually, uh, the ones that we have mentioned, um, I think they might be useful for people just to kind of sum up. I think the the, the main names to, to to take away are the the the, the British establishment names attending anthropy who for my money are, are acting on behalf of, of the royal family so that would be um lord Devon, aka lord gummer dame julia cleverdon andy haldane dame julia slingo i think those people are particularly interesting in the context of what we're talking about and given what we know about um charles's relationship with Klaus schwab and the world economic forum um uh, there's a whole bundle of people at COGX that, that people should go and have a look at and, and understand what, what they're doing and what they're about. Um, I'm particularly interested in, and I would like particularly like to draw attention again to this fella, Aaron Bastani, um, because uh, for my money, he, he's actually um, one of the most um, significant people in uh, British politics and British media at the moment um, who is attending that event. Um, and and he is part of this um, uh, hard left wing axis, which is very well evidenced and embodied by Meti Koban. I'm sure that they know each other. The message is exactly the same. The target audience is exactly the same. And Blair and Andrew Ruffin. Um, and this whole thing is deeply concerning and needs to be looked into. So those are the names that I, that I would just bring to the surface again at the end here to wrap that up. No, I think that's really helpful to, to sum that up. And I'd also like to say that when I started looking into things, I found another conference on the 10th of December at Plexel London. This is Plexel again, and it's called Future of Britain Next Generation. And I found Sir Ed Davies' name uh, in that. So here we have the leader of the Liberal Democrats. So what you said about a uni party and what others have said about a uni party clearly is is what's happening. But what I'm seeing is um, an agenda to target our young. Um, but in particular, so just generalising, because I, I, I'm, I know that we're, I, I don't want to keep our audience and listeners um, listening for too long because there's so much information and I think sometimes we can get overwhelmed. So very quickly, I just want to ask you a couple of questions about AI because being a nurse, uh, having trained in the NHS, I'm seeing an artificial intelligence medical revolution taking place where they're saying that AI is going to design and make new drugs. We're going to see doctors and nurses training in the metaverse, in fact, spending a lot of time in the metaverse. Um, we can see that this is a very, I mean, the organizations that we've highlighted today. Um, how do we create a new paradigm, Ben? Because many of us don't want to live under this dictatorship, this tyranny. Uh, we want to release ourselves from um, the politics, the grid, uh, the control. How do we rebuild a system outside this system 
Or do you think really that because, I mean, we're coming up to winter, we're already hearing stories of new COVID variants, questionable whether we're going to wear masks, questionable whether there are going to be more lockdowns. Can can this really happen again? Are people going to buy into this again? Or what can we do to create a new paradigm? Very good question. Um, so, and, and quite a complicated one. Um, but I mean, the main thing that we can do is is to is to not comply, to rebel, uh, and rebel against the narrative um, around these new COVID variants. I, I, it smacks of total desperation that they're trying to bring this back again. I think um, that uh, more and more of the population are, are fully aware at least that something wasn't right about the way that that was handled last time. So the idea that they can basically do it, do have another run through the same process, it just, just seems um, uh, that they're running out of ideas, basically. Uh, I think that we, got to, we, we have got to, as a people as individuals, um, as, as communities, as society as a whole, we've got to get better at having difficult conversations uh, and not allowing those to become escalated and heated um, as far as possible. Yeah, I mean, these are obviously challenging topics and um, a lot of people have been very heavily propagandised and indoctrinated. Uh, and actually, um, the, if, if viewers have not yet listened to Brian Gerrish's interview with James Dellingpole is that you should do. It's it's excellent. Um, made me really proud to be working with UK Column, actually, listening to the interview and, and hearing about the background of the organisation. And one of the things that Brian talks about in that is the fact that the um, government has been using neuro-linguistic programming uh, on the population for a number of years now. And um, they're well aware that that is actually potentially really dangerous and, and could be um, uh, could be used to escalate things into extreme violence if they want to. We've got to be cognizant of that, right? Like the information environment is not um, benign. It's being um, manipulated in a way that's designed to create conflict, and you can see this happening all over the place. So the, the main thing is to to absolutely not allow yourself to be caught up in that and triggered by it. And, and um, you know, when you understand that most things out there that we're being talked to about, whether, you know, across the piece, right, really in any part of, of, of the conversation that's put out into the mainstream media is designed to wind you up, um, then it becomes a bit easier to, to, to not, not allow it to and, and to laugh in it, it, actually, to laugh in the face of it right? because it is, it is it's, it's deeply manipulative and, and, um, and, and, and needs to be, to be understood like that. Um, and the, in, in terms of building new systems, I think the, the most important thing to understand, and, you know, here in 2023, and particularly as someone who's kind of grown up with, with devices, although less so, uh, less, not quite to the extent that the, the youngers have these days, you know, you've got your sort of 20, 25-year-olds who have basically been on the internet since they were born. Um, you know, they, 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 they aren't really capable of, of understanding a world where that might not exist but we actually got quite a long way as a human civilization and in many ways things were exponentially better before the internet came along and before all of these devices came along and we were perfectly capable of sustaining 40 50 million people in this country plus before the internet arrived you know so there are old traditional systems approaches that need to be examined re-examined had the dust blown off them 
and um, updated a little bit potentially. But um, I think a lot of the stuff that, that that got us to where we are today, you know, in centuries past, is is been um, purposefully discarded, and and we need to we need to bring those things back out again. You know, whether it's you know traditional ways of producing food, traditional ways of of um, of, uh, of, um, of of building cities or, or whatever it might be, you know, there's there's plenty in our past that should be re-examined and and, and put to the forefront again. Um, but we can also, you know, I'm not I'm not a luddite, and I'm not um, suggesting you know we go back to the Stone Age by any stretch of the imagination, and we can build parallel tech-enabled systems that are extremely advanced and that build on the best of what's available to us today, but aren't created by global corporations and uh, under the specifications of uh, global um, state-type actors like the World Economic Forum or the World Health Organization um, that will do a better job of, 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 of the good things that those technologies can do and without all of the, 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 the manipulative and the, the bad things um, lumped into them as well. Um, and and I've I'm, I'm got a very active interest in this. I spent a long time working in um, what, what Klaus Schwab describes as the fourth industrial revolution. So all of these different advanced technologies like um, mobile handsets, digital applications, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, 3D printing, like all of these things, um, that has been the backdrop to my career. Uh, I've worked with big corporations to uh, think about ways to benefit from these technologies and to deploy them into their businesses to create new markets. Um, and uh, there is a way of doing this work well, and we're going to be applying that way of working at Pattern, pattern18.substack.com, that's what I talked about earlier. Um, and our game is basically the antidote to globalism, which is what I call localism, and building systems that are focused on improving the lives of the whole of humanity, not just the tiny few who are in control of the system today. And that's so incredibly positive. And I can't think of a better note, really, to wrap up today, other than to say I'm delighted that uh, you mentioned Brian's interview with James Dellingpole. And I think it would be good for you, for maybe um, for you, for Brian and you to have a chat um, because of, of the remarkable links to Common Purpose and all of his work on Common Purpose, which he started with. So I think that would be fantastic and i also see covid as being a de destabilization exercise really for what's to come and the crisis in inverted commas and the acceleration in inverted commas you know clearly it's not working it's just not working did the crisis work did we see through it yes we did see through it and we're still here to tell the tale you know we're, we're we're seeing what's going on we're opening our eyes and we're joining the dots and it's thanks to people like you and to our audience and there are going to be many you know that are watching that might have information regarding some of the people that you've been highlighting today or maybe have attended the events or maybe their children have attended their uh, their events so we would really welcome 
um, any contact with anybody that knows anything about any of the organisations that Ben has has talked about today. I personally think they're panicking. They're trying to rebrand, throw us off the scent a little bit. That's what I think. So I think this is very positive. Um, but as always, Ben, I'm going to leave you with the last word. And I cannot thank you enough because this is this is just one of many conversations that Ben and I have. And Ben spends hours and hours and hours doing his research um, and making sure that he's absolutely on top of what he's saying. So thank you so much, Ben. I'm going to leave it with you and to say the digital industrial complex, which is the title of this chat with Ben, really sums everything up. So Ben, it's over to you for the last word. God bless you. And thank you so much. So the final message this time is actually to the people who are going to these events, shaping, leading, and attempting to execute this plan. My message to you is you have already failed. I know your organizations. I know the people that work in them. I know your culture. I know your capability. And you haven't got what it takes. Whatever they're telling you is a lie. Whatever future they're trying to project us into with your help, we do not want. And you and your organizations are not capable of making a reality. So my suggestion is that you stop.